podcast one production. A couple of years ago, I was stuck in a real career rut. I remember I'd been toing and froing about what to do, whether to kind of pick up more work or to use that time to study my master's. And it had been dragging me down. And one day I just had almost a bit of a table flip moment where I was like, enough is enough. I need help to make this decision because it is doing my head in. And then once I got the help, it was like all the clutter was cleared out of the way. I had found my purpose. I had found my direction and I was going to stop at nothing to make this happen. It really amazed me how many other mums I've spoken to have gone through or are going through a similar thing. And I feel like giving them all a big hug and saying, don't deliberate, sit down and really focus on it and do some work. And then you make your decision and you go with it. This is Healthy Her with Amelia Phillips. And in this episode, I want to find out how us mums can get clarity and purpose when it comes to our career choices. Some of us are entering the workforce after having babies. Um, Others of us might be feeling stuck in a bit of a career rut and are looking for options for a new direction. You know, it's a bit of a horrible feeling trying to balance the needs of our family with financial demands, but also looking for our true career aspirations and trying to reach those. The good news is if you are feeling like this, you are definitely not alone. In fact, this is such a big issue that books have been written on the topic. So today I've enlisted the help of an award-winning author of one such book, Stuck in a Rut, How to Rescue Yourself and Live Your Truth. Fiona Craig has over 15 years experience as a life coach, a mentor and certified psychotherapist and NLP practitioner. I had the pleasure of working with Fiona a few years ago when I was stuck in a rut. So thanks so much for coming on today, Fiona. Thank you for having me. You know, I remember I literally Googled stuck in a rut (laughs) and your book came up and I bought it, I read it, I devoured it, I loved it and you had an option in the book to have a phone consultation which I took up and it really, really helped me. But you know, I'm just one of many mums. With the mums you've seen in your practice, what are the different types of career ruts that they're in? Well, sometimes it can be um, a job that they don't like. It's becomes boring, it's a job they hate. Other times they're feeling stuck because they've hit a glass ceiling, they can't get past. They're stuck because they're returning back to work and they're feeling stuck in terms of what choice they should make. And then the other one that I get is the mum that comes to me going, I really don't want to go back to what I was doing. I'm feeling very stuck. I really want to start my own business, but I'm not quite sure in what I want to do. What are the main reasons that mums are susceptible to falling into a career rut? Well, I think because we return to the workforce and we don't realise that we've changed so much. We go back to our old jobs and so we've changed mentally, we've changed emotionally, we've changed physically and so we just find it a real struggle to do the balance that we once had. So our expectations are quite high and then we become really hard on ourselves and we sort of beat ourselves up because we're not performing at the level that we'd like to. When you've had a mum client who is confused about her career choices How do you help her become unstuck and get motivated again? Well, I like to find out what her roles and responsibilities to her family are and 
how she can sort of um, balance that in terms of work. So I'm, I'm sort of looking at her holistically and asking her, like, who are you now? Because I think that we need to stop and reflect because so much of us has changed. As I said earlier, it's our, our values have changed, our responsibilities have changed, our focus certainly has changed, our biorhythms. So it's really, really important that we sort of get a little bit clear on, you know, who we are now as a person. And so when we're feeling that sort of stuckness, then I also ask, well, what kind of job would you like to do? Are you, are you someone that likes to work alone or, or do you like to collaborate? You know, do a sort of a, a career of re-evaluation as such. When your mum comes in there into your office, even starting with values, like I would find that, particularly when I was in the career, I would find it hard to say, okay, well, what are my top values? How do you mm. help? bring that out of a mum? Mm. Well, I give them a, a worksheet that has like about 30 different words. So I'm looking for the top three words. And sometimes their values haven't changed. It's more to do with their priorities. Well, I think I might be a bit of a Jekyll and a Hyde where yes. <laughs> I've always been quite ambitious career-wise. And so w- my two values would contradict each other because the Jekyll in me has these big career aspirations, but then the Hyde in me wants to be the earth mum and stay with my kids. What happens if the values, is it possible that values don't complement each other or is it more of a balancing act? Well, it's just different for everybody. And I think that you look beyond that. So look holistically, look at sort of the other areas of the life too. So is there some way with your work that you can change so that it does meet a little bit more for your values? Because that's where mum guilt creeps in, doesn't it? Absolutely. When you feel like you're misaligned or, you know, you're chasing Mm. one goal and then the other goal falls aside. Mm. Like when you're missing, you feel guilty because you're missing a school assembly. That's a really important day. Or at the same time, you could be at school assembly and you're missing a very important work meeting. So I think that what you really have to do is kind of um, look within yourself and go, do I, am I really super mum? Do I really have this have to be this sort of person? What what can I settle with? I can't meet everybody's needs. What will suit me best? And is that where you're kind of identifying those top three or four values? I think that helps. It's a good, it's good start because I live in my business, I live by my values. I'm all about support, connection and empowerment. So when I set goals for my business, for instance, and the way that I work, it's important that I align my products that my website has that feel, that everything that I do sort of speaks those three words. And then I know I'm on path. Moving on from the values, you find that that's a kind of foundation. Mm. Um, And then talk me through what you would do with your mums after they've identified those values. What are some other exercises or activities you would get them to do? Well, I'm interested in what they see as their strengths, Okay. um, what they like doing about their job and how they like doing it. And so that helps a lot in terms of finding your dream career. So if you're looking at moving into a different career path, that's really, really helpful to get to know who you are as a person. What are my gifts and talents? Um, And whether you need to go and ask somebody else that, sometimes we're just not really aware of how good we are at something. We might need a little help in that. Do you ever have situations with clients where they come to you because they feel like they're stuck in a rut, but maybe they're actually not. Maybe they just need to realign their values around their work. 
I do. I do. I sometimes have clients that will come to me and they'll say, but it will be sort of um, very vague. I really hate my job. And so then, well, what is it about your job that you hate? What specifically? And then you can start slowly picking apart the whole role, the whole day-to-day activities, the people they interact to determine whether it really is what they dislike or it's a certain aspect, an aspect that can be changed. Actually, you just reminded me, I did have one client and uh, she wasn't getting on with her co-workers, but she wasn't quite ready to leave. So I suggested to her, rather than you, you all probably have lunch at the same time, don't you? She said, yes. I said, well, why don't you have lunch a little earlier or have lunch a little later? And that way you can sort of avoid being around the kitchen with them. And she started, yeah, that really actually helped. So it wasn't necessarily the job itself. It was just one aspect of the job that she didn't like. And then it can kind of trigger you into enjoying your job again, if you can identify what that is. Yeah, yeah. And I had actually another, you just reminded me, I had another um, client too. What we did was we moved her desks. Because she was in an open plan, she could hear the lady next to her too much. She was very loud, very strong, and she's more of an introvert and needed to focus on her reports. So just simply changing the layout of the office because she shared an office with someone completely changed the work environment. And I say that, you know, if your work environment is a bit dull, you know, put a few nice little plants in or you make it happy. (laughs) You know, it's really interesting, like a little tweak. It's just tweaking. That's if you want to stay where you want to stay. So I know when I was going through my career rut, it really affected my confidence and that can also lead to a bit of a fear of failure. How can we let go of that fear of failure and that negative self-talk and live with more confidence in our career choices as mums? Yes, because failure is um, seen such a dirty word, isn't it? It's obviously got such negative connotations. And look, we've all failed at stuff and we just hate it. It's so disappointing. But uh, failure also gives us great opportunities. And if we don't try something, we'll never know. So in my business even now, I've tried a few little things and tried a few little online things and I've realised I hate that. I'm definitely an offline chick. I definitely love my, um, you know, coaching sessions and I started a meetup group. I found that that's where I fit better. But if I hadn't have tried the other things and failed at them miserably, (laughs) I wouldn't have known. So what are some ways that we can get more confidence? Well, confidence is is self-belief. So uh, I find for me confidence and for a lot of people is to um, practice something and visualise, having positive visualisations. So a lot of uh, the mums I meet, if they're going for a job interview, I say, you know, imagine the whole interview, you know, take your time and imagine sitting down and being confident, you know, you're breathing, you're thinking, you're practicing, you know, just visualise the whole session. Do some positive self-talk. We really self-sabotage when we start thinking, I'm dumb or I can't do this or, um, you know, oh, I won't get the job. You know, immediately you set yourself up for a negative outcome. You're sort of like a self-perceived prophecy, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. I would if if I could have a transcript of the, you know, devil and the angel sitting on the mm. shoulder and the devil sitting there going, mm. Oh, why are you even trying this? You know you're not going to be good at this. Everyone's mm. going to think you're a fool. What I mean, you would never talk to a friend like that, would you? 
No, so. and actually I say that to some of my clients. And so I do, I say, imagine, right, you've got your inner critic on one shoulder and we all have yeah. that. But then on the other shoulder, imagine a kind coach. And if it's little kids, I used to say to my son, you know, like a super action figure, like a superhero figure and just someone nice talking, just saying some good things like, you're doing a good job or you're trying your best or, you know, just something that's more self-soothing. It's almost like you're being a parent to yourself because the inner critic is really the, the voice of our parent or caregiver that's sort of looking out for us. Don't touch this, you know, oh, be careful of that. You know, my mother was, oh, she was so fearful of everything. So all the time I can just sense her voice very first, you know, the first thing is like, oh, don't write a book. No one will read it. Oh, it's very expensive. Why on earth would you want to write a book? You know, <laughs> that's really interesting. Do you think that that inner critic um, and the kind of amplification of the critic versus a coach is something that you get from your upbringing. Everybody. And it's also from society. So we will get a lot of um, verbal and nonverbal sort of communications from society. They're going to dictate how we behave. And social media as well. Oh, yes, definitely social media. So we really have to be good at filtering out some of the crap that passes through us and just sort of be a bit more discerning and kind of just sort of go, hang on, is that true? Am I really like that? Where's the evidence? No, that's not. That, that's just my mum's voice. Oh, come on, Fiona. You know, <laughs> I give myself these little conversations. <laughs> oh, I love that when you're even talking about that now, you've got that very sweet kind of coach voice on, oh, come on, Fiona. It's, yeah. it's, it's almost, I can hear you almost parenting yourself in a, in it a, is. In yeah. a loving way. Mm. You know, with the social media, is it fair to say that now that we are you know, bombarded so much with the achievements of our social media circle, that uh, that kind of comparison chain is a lot mm. stronger than it would have been, say, 10, 15 years ago? Yes, definitely. Comparison analysis, yes. I get a lot of clients that will come to me and they will say that, oh, I want to be like this person, but oh, oh no, I can't be like that. So I'm really encouraging them to run their own race. And so an action plan for them will look very different to the path that, say, the person they're aspiring to be. But do we want a whole lot of Marie Folios? You know, do we want a whole lot of... <laughs> sort of sorry to say that. It's, it's like a whole sea of vanilla. You know, you'd be something, you know, exciting. You'll be different. The more that you are, the more unique you are, the more people will be attracted to you. And so it's kind of trying to get that message across. Speaking of social media, I know something that you talk about is the super mum complex. Can you tell us a little bit about what this is? Well, you probably see it a lot. A lot's written up about women that seem to have it all. And so we tend to devour those magazines and articles and, we, and it just seems like everything is so perfect. But uh, the grass is always greener. And uh, th actually, there was something I saw on Facebook where it said um, grass and then fake grass. So <laughs> I just thought, <laughs> yeah, because a lot of it is, is what we think is perfect. But behind that, something has to suffer. Something has to give. You know, no one can really, really have it all. It either involves getting a nanny in, and I know a lot of the women in senior roles are quite fortunate that with their pay salary, they can. They can get that extra help. Or perhaps they live fa have family that live around the corner that can help out. But um, in order to have it all, you have to work really, really hard in terms of organising yourself and having a structure and, you know, good habits in play. And do you find that seeing those women on social media 
projecting that kind of super mum complex, do you think that can contribute to other mums feeling more, you know, stuck in the rut where they are, like they should be doing better? Mm, yes, exactly. Feeling inadequate. Why can't I be like that? You know, why don't I have those energy levels? Or why can't I be that brainy or smart or be earning that amount of money? And that's horrible. What would you say to a client who was suffering that and going through a period where they were feeling that angst? I'd be looking at their own life and looking, what can you make it the best? What sort of little strategies or actions, things that you could do to help support you to move forward and to, you know, take on more work perhaps or, or go for that job promotion? You know, how can your environment support you? So it's in terms of internal support and external support. Internally, how you support yourself with the positive mindset and externally, you know, how your environment can support you to work. I've found it's really interesting that at depending on where my headspace is at, I can be scrolling through social media and just, you know, see someone kicking goals and be like, oh, wow, go her. Oh, that's so amazing. And then other times be scrolling through and just see very similar messages and be, be reflecting it all on me. Oh, why aren't I doing this? Why aren't I doing that? Why is the frame of mind so important? What does that actually do to us? Well, it drives us. It goes back to self-care, isn't it? It's about supporting ourselves. And so it's, again, the positive self-talk, not beating ourselves up for being who we are. We're all just trying to do our best. But also I tell everyone, run your own race. Oh, I love that idea, run your own race. I also love the idea of you're not trying to be the best of the best, just try to be a little bit better than you were yesterday. Yeah. And, you know, rather than comparing yourself to the best of the best. I think if you can brush your teeth every night and look at yourself in the mirror and go, look, everyone's doing well. <laughs> everyone's still alive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a good day. Do you think it's possible to have a big fulfilling career whilst having kids? Oh, a loaded question. That is <laughs> a big one. And I'm asking you, Fiona, because you are very lucky to have been under the hood of so many of us mums' minds. Um, so you see it. Do you mm. see mums able to do that successfully, have a big fulfilling career and have kids? Well, when I look at them, I can judge them and say, I think your career is fulfilling, but really it's up to them what they think, isn't it? And I think a lot of them have these expectations that that they are going to be able to have it all and they can't. They're just going to have less sleep or maybe they have to delay their job promotion or maybe, like me, they had to wait a little while to blossom because their focus was somewhere else. Uh, I think that we really set ourselves up for a disappointment when we, we push and push to try and have it all. Have you got an example of a mum you've helped to thrive both at work and at home? Oh, sure. Well, I think of Helen. Helen had a really good work-life balance and um, she did that because she followed a couple of good strategies that, um, in terms of time management tips. But for her, when I looked at her, there was just a couple of other areas that could have helped her a little bit more. And I think one of her biggest fears was um, getting help from her children. So I introduced the age-appropriate chores. <laughs> So she started getting a lot more support because she had the support at work, but she didn't really have the family support. 
And so looking holistically at, at what Helen was doing with her work-life balance, also she was still cooking like she was a stay-at-home mum. So she needed a bit more organisation in the kitchen and um, online shopping she did and cooking frozen meals. And I know all this sounds like so simple and, and like why wouldn't she think of that? But honestly, when you're running a job, sometimes you just miss things. We all have little blind spots. So it was other things like um, contacting her um, friends for sport pickups, was doing a little bit more of that kind of um, sort of... Asking for help. Asking for help, which is something yeah, that delegating. we all... We all have a little bit of trouble asking for help. It And it was also eventually she organised some flexible working arrangements. So she actually had Friday off. And that helped a lot with those appointments and doctor's appointments and all those sort of things that you try and fit in when you're working full time. Seem like impossible. No one has a lunch hour anymore. In the 80s, we used to have a whole hour. <laughs> and what were some of her successes as far as how do you you look at her? She was obviously, um, you know, a high performer. Mm. What was she doing really well, you know, in the juggle? You mentioned she had good time management skills. Mm. Were there mm. some other things as far as maybe letting go of the guilt or anything else like that? Yeah, she made sure that uh, she got up half an hour earlier in the morning and she said that was her time for planning and that was really helpful in centering herself. She also did the night before with lunches and, you know, organised those sort of things. In terms of planning, she had um, the TV was off at 7 o'clock was another thing, so they stopped watching TV and started talking about their day, which was, that was the the time. I had another Actually, it reminds me too, I had another um, mum with younger children and so bath time was more of a time where she got to chat with them and talk to them about how's their day. I find the car's great. When my son's in the car, he's kind of locked, locked in. He's kind of forced to regurgitate his day with me. <laughs> I totally agree with you. I've heard that a lot. When my kids aren't throwing food at each other or trying to hit each other across, so usually you can get a, a good conversation happening in there. <laughs> How do you suggest that we set boundaries around work and personal life um, and kind of learn to say no with confidence? Oh, no, 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 no. Kids are so good at saying no. They love that word, don't they? When they start practising. And I remember my son, everything was no, no. But uh, I think growing up, you know, eventually we get told no's a dirty word. Don't use no. No's aggressive. No's. So the meaning of that word. And I think as women, we're sort of taught to be nice and polite and accommodating. So we really do struggle with the word no. So I remember having one client and um, she wanted to get out of the door at five, but always around that time, people would be throwing work at her. And so I gave her a couple of different no strategies like, uh, no, I can't do that right now, but I'd be happy to do that tomorrow. Or, or if I start this, does that mean that I'll have to, you know, stop something else or um, I'd love to help you, but um, let me show you how to do it instead or, you know, just different ways of saying no. Have a couple of phrases, which I have in my book, and have them under your arm because you might be asked, oh, can you come and help me move house tomorrow? And, you know, it's like, definitely not. <laughs> and why do you think saying no is so important for us mums? We need our own me time. We need our self-time. Self-care is such a priority. It's so important that we balance the needs of our family, the needs of work, with a bit of time for ourselves. And I had one client that found that me time 
on Saturday afternoon after sport, actually. So when everyone came home, there's that window of opportunity. And she used to have two hours when she would uh, go and do what she liked to do, whether it was see a movie or do Pilates, yoga class. I have definitely seen a shift having come from, you know, exercise science Mm -hmm. background. um, I've always been very curious about people's relationship with Mm self-care. And I've seen a big shift over the last 10 years where uh, downtime, rest time, time for yourself was a bit of a dirty word and kind of something that you sneak and you don't tell people about, you know, oh, I'm busy right now, even though you're actually watching TV. (laughs) Whereas I've seen a shift particularly more recently in that people um, prioritising their self-care meaning eating well, exercise, resting when needs be. Even the old siesta, I think it may possibly be making a comeback. I like to call it nana nap. (laughs) (laughs) For all us mums out there Mm. that are sitting here right now, we're we're feeling in a career rut or we might be feeling a bit um, stuck for what choice we want to make with the direction of our career, whether it be starting our own business or, or being, you know, going full-time back into the workforce. What are some clear strategies that you could help us with? I think easing yourself back in. First of all, get a good LinkedIn profile. I'm always amazed how many um, people don't have a LinkedIn profile or one that's sort of a resume blah, it's on a splat. Yeah. You know, you, you need to, you know, start looking at your brand And then what about helping to make that decision about what direction to go? Okay. Well, there's a lot of actually online, free online quizzes that you can do. And what they do is match your personality to career choices. So if you're really feeling stuck, if you're not quite sure, that's a great way to start. Okay. Is there one that um, us mums could Google? Uh, yes, it's the Kaiser Temperament. <laughs> Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. The Kaiser Temp- Temperament Sorter. <laughs> Kaiser Temperament Sorter. Okay. Oh. It sounds terrible. I know. But if you Google free online, you know, yeah, personality career testing, you'll you'll find those, and they're re- they're really really helpful, and they're they're short, and that will get you started in terms of looking at careers that um, sort of match your interests. Another one is networking. Um, Also just being open, just sort of being open and curious to um, what people are doing, you know, and and then thinking back to yourself and thinking, gosh, if I could get paid to do something all day, what would that be? How would I like to spend my day? And what about the difficult decision between becoming employed versus self-employed or starting your own business. Do you have any thoughts about which direction is better for us mums or how to make that choice? I think that the first thing to do is to have a product or service that you believe in as opposed to one that make you money. And I say that honestly because you will be immersed in whatever you do every day. You'll be reading, you'll be researching. So if you're only involved in a business that's out to make money, then really your heart is not going to sing. I love that in theory, but the Mm. pragmatist in me says, Mm. well, what about us mums that we need to be bringing in $1,200 a week or Mm. whatever your magic number is? How do you, that's a very scary thought of, oh, we'll just throw the employment job away to follow my heart. Well, that's where I say build a bridge slowly slowly, maybe cut down your work hours to explore um, a business opportunity. You could perhaps buy a business that's already doing well, or you could collaborate, go into business with somebody else. I'm not the leap of faith person, believe me. 
I'm more the build the bridge. The cautious Betty type. Well, it just feels a little bit more natural because then I'm kind of flow into it as opposed to just terrifying myself. (laughs) I've done enough of that in the past. (laughs) Having children is terrifying enough, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, my goodness me. There's no... I kept thinking, are instructions going to come out of his butt or something? I I was just looking at this baby thinking, holy crap. And I was never one to cuddle or hold babies. Uh, isn't that interesting? But I ended up being a great mum. And he's my first client, so I used to do a lot of play therapy. Oh, what a lucky boy. <laughs> well, look, just to wrap up, uh, one parting piece of advice to mums out there who feel stuck in a rut career-wise, mm. what would you like to say to those mums? I'd say that uh, the best thing that you can do is really to go and sit in nature and really have a think. Honestly, it sounds so simple, but sometimes when you get away, go on a vacation. Spend some time with yourself and have a really good sort of career audit. Fiona, thank you so much for today. I got so much out of our chat. Thank you, Amina. I've enjoyed it. Healthy Her was presented by me, Amelia Phillips, and created in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer Live Proud, sound production by Matt Nikolich. Theme music composed by Matthew Dwyer, executive producer Jennifer Goggin. To hear more episodes, listen for free at podcastoneaustralia.com.au. Download the free Podcast One Australia app or search Healthy Her. And for more tips and insights on this topic, visit my show notes at ameliaphillips.com.au.